Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Excellent. Well, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I'm glad all of you are here. Let me um, open in prayer, and then we, uh, as usual, can get right into our study. Father Yahweh, we give you great thanks. Father, we thank you for another Shabbat. We thank you for another opportunity for us to grow close to you, to your words, to be empowered by your spirit, to understand and be edified. Father, all these things we ask today. Be with us as we look into your words and the words of your son, Yahshua, our Redeemer and our Messiah. Amen. Well, I'm glad all of you guys are here. And those online, thank you for being part of all this. And you can um, go to Living Messiah if you feel moved to donate. And um, I am also have been informed now that uh, the in-depth teachings will be on iTunes as well for the iPod, right? So you can catch those uh, there, uh, catch them there as well. So, and you can find all that again at livingmessiah.com. So, um, Paul, Paul probably has the mic. We'd hope. So, as we get into this, the normal standard procedure: just raise your hand if you have any comments or question. Paul will find his way to you. We just ask, kind of be brief and on the point of what we're talking about. So we, uh, and let's not get ahead of the text, so to speak, so we can all learn at the same pace uh, of what we're looking at. So with that being said, last week, if I remember right, it's weird because I go kind of, I'm like maybe two weeks ahead in what I prepared. It's just the way it happens, so I, I kind of forget. But where I have marked in my notes was this, uh, John 1.14. And what, where we left off is, and the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we saw his glory, his esteem, as the only brought forth of the Father, complete in favor and truth. So I think I might have spoke a little bit on, on, on this, but I, um, so if I'm kind of repeating, I don't think that's going to be that bad of a, a deal either. But this whole concept here, pitching the tent, Okay, uh, it has the, uh, it also could be pitched or tabernacled among us. Okay, so we do see this. And what should come to our minds, or at least what I believe would come to anyone reading the text at the time of John, um, would be the Exodus story about the pitching of the tent, the tabernacle, okay, the Exodus story, the Passover. Uh, and along with that comes the refreshing of the word of Elohim from the mountain. So the, you know, the Exodus story coming out in the Passover, they are connected with Mount Sinai in the giving of the Torah, giving of the instru uh, instructions. And what's even more, I think, uh, special about that time, that's the time where, that's when we actually, the scriptures that we have is where Moses assembled all that. So what we're reading uh, or let's say uh, in the, the Tanakh or the Old Testament, 
All that was assembled for the most part, at least the four, what, the five books, the first five books were all assembled in some manner or whatever from Moses. There might have been other genealogy books that they had, but it all comes back to Moses, okay? And I think that's very important that we got to remember that. And I've said in the past, uh, it's one of the most important stories. And it's because it's that story that's told over and over and over again. And, and we're going to see how Messiah plays part of that story, is embedded in that whole narrative. So, but what we have here too, you see, of the Father, okay, his glory, the only brought forth son, okay, of the Father, complete in favor and truth. So what I want us to remember here as well is grace and favor and truth, they're not new, okay? So this isn't, uh, this isn't something new that's coming forth. So we'll take a look at that here as we go uh, continue in John. And John bore witness, this would be John the Baptist, uh, bore witness of him and cried out saying, this, this was he whom I said, he who comes after me has become before me because he was before me. And out of his completeness, we all did receive favor upon favor. And the Torah or the law was given through Moses, the favor and the truth came through Yahshua Mashiach or Yeshua the Messiah. No one has ever seen Elohim, no one ever seen God. The only brought forth, the only brought forth Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he did declare. So again, there's a lot of interesting things here. So obviously, um, this message, John Picture John the Baptist out there baptizing people and merging them in the, the Jordan or whatever. They were coming to him for what he was saying. So they were coming to a message that John had, okay? So they were coming to hear about what? Obviously, the Messiah plays a part in this. And they wouldn't come out to just some crazy guy for no reason. Or they wouldn't, they wouldn't be baptized or they wouldn't in a sense, continue to come out there. And later on in the text, we do see John had his followers. Okay, so they were following for John for a reason. So whatever John was talking about must have hit home and must have lined up with the text, so to speak. Okay, so, but what I do want to talk about here is something interesting. Okay, uh, again, we see this is whom I have spoke of who was before me. So if we go back up uh, in the text itself, we again, I want to say favor and truth, grace and truth were beforehand. They were before Messiah. Okay? And I think that's very important. And that's, that's going to play a part, especially in verse 17. But before we get there, I have, uh, I, on some of my research, I come across this whole idea. We have this, obviously, um, and out of his completeness, all, all did receive favor upon uh, favor, or grace upon grace. Now, if you're familiar with the, the Reformation, okay, it's interesting, with the Reformation, uh, they put forth this idea that came by faith alone, or another way, by grace alone, right? 
uh, that's pretty prevalent even today. And what that actually was saying is, in, in some ways, was how one is saved by Elohim's eternal judgment. That's what's impacted in that concept, by faith alone, you know? Grace alone. It's all about grace. It's all about faith, okay? So the, the idea was emphasized faith alone um, as opposed to faith and good works. And we see that very clearly in the book of James, okay? So th that, that plays a role even till uh, today, very, very powerful role, okay? And I'm going to show you some, maybe some errors in thinking on how you think about something or how something gets presented to you and that begins you on a path of thinking a particular way, which a lot of times, let me say this way, if something's presented to you incorrectly, it can take you down and you'll think you're okay with what has been presented to you. That's what I want to look at, okay? Especially because this one verse coming up, and hopefully there will be something here that uh, you can see what I'm talking about. So it goes back to uh, the whole idea of really Scripture talks about faith and good works are for the believers, okay? Not just faith alone and not just grace alone, okay? So, if the law or the Torah is presented in a negative light, then how's that process going to happen? If it is presented in a negative light, then you're going to what? View the, the law and the Torah in a negative light. Okay? And if you don't know any better, which I would say the majority of us, what, who, the institutions that we've came out of, that is what was served to us. So, and we all saw the Torah of Moses, the law. That's a negative thing, okay? Because what? What has happened? Faith alone, grace. Well, I would say by doing this, the church at large has caused society to view the law, okay, or its laws the same way. And what I'm saying is, if the church, because you heard that phrase before, as the church goes, as the country goes, have you ever heard that? I know I heard that with the, the assembly that I was with beforehand. We heard that a lot. And it's like, that, I think that is, there's a lot of truth in that. And that's what got me thinking uh, in this study. It's like, well, if we, if we as the people of God collectively view the Torah and the law negatively, how is that going to affect us in here in this secular society? Are we going to view the secular society laws any better? No. We're going to look, they've been done away with. There's going to be a disregard for them. So in some sense, maybe some of the, res uh, the responsibility was on the believers and has caused society to behave the way they do. Because if the church says the commandments 
from our Father, most of them are done away with, how are we going to expect society to live up to anything in that sense? You see my thought process? And you can tell me if I'm wrong, uh, please. But it is strange that, it is strange to this, and most of you come from different denominations, and you can correct me. And this is a vague, broad statement I'm going to make. But it's strange that every denomination, that they all disagree on the commandments of Moses for the most part. They disregard them as throwing away. Yeah, there's different characteristics in all denominations. Yes, there's some that hold up the Shabbat or the Sabbath, but that's about it. But for the most part, most of them view the commandments giving up Mount Sinai as burdensome. You don't need to do them any longer. So in some ways, they're all united in that, that way. And obviously, Moses gave that for the people of God to keep, okay? I have this, I love this phrase. I've said it before. Uh, some of the men might remember this, and I can't remember the pastor uh, who brought forth this message, but he said this, and I think this is very, very powerful. The law is not just do's and don'ts. We see that, but it is do's and don'ts. Okay, and I think, to me, that's just, oh, that's a very powerful statement. Because what has happened then, going back to this idea of grace only or favor only, okay, what has happened by doing that is the opposite of grace is law. That is what has happened. Oh, it's not about the law. It's about grace or it's about faith. Okay, there has become this conflict and opposites, you know. And obviously, Scripture does not promote that, and that's the whole thing. If we've been given that and if we've been presented that, you know, the opposite of grace is law, then we don't get that the opposite of law, of the Torah, is lawlessness, meaning not doing the commandments, okay? That's what starts happening. And I think a lot of us, we're, or I believe a lot of us are realizing that in a deeper and deeper manner and wanting the return to see these are for us. He's our, he's our God and this is who he is. And we see this, uh, we saw this already embedded in what we were looking at in the beginning of John. In the beginning was the word, the word was with Elohim and the word was Elohim. So those commandments are him, Okay. That's what defines him versus any other um, gods or uh, philosophies or structure, uh, institutional type thinking. He separates himself from all that. So, um, so that goes to say then the law or the law of moses was seen and presented uh, uh was seen and presented in an if it's presented in a negative light then that's what you're going to get but that's not what's going on in the text it's being presented as something precious to the people of elohim the people of god 
That's what the text actually says. So don't let it sidetrack you. So what I'm saying, if you go from that mindset that, let's just say, everything that our Creator says is about grace and favor and truth. And what He spent the time with His people at Mount Sinai, which we can see the evidence of Messiah playing a part in all that, that's a positive thing. So if we come at the text and look at the law of Moses in the positiveness and the righteousness of what it is, then however we're going to read the New Testament and the Old Testament for that matter, is going to be completely different of maybe the, how it has been presented to us. And obviously what you will find is the law of Moses was a treasure. It was a gift. It was grace. It was a sign of love from the bridegroom. That's how we should look at the words of Elohim, the word of God. Okay? And I talked about this favor upon favor. Isn't that interesting? Meaning that there had to be favor, there had to be grace, and then there came more grace and more favor. That's our Elohim showing mercy and favor. I've given you favor. And upon more favor, I have given you. And wait. Just wait. I got some more favor coming to you. My son, he's coming. That's positive. So with the wrong mindset, you will come up with the wrong conclusion. So let's look at verse 17. For the Torah, or the law, was given through Moses. The favor and the truth came through Yeshua Messiah. Now, you don't see it so much here, but I'm going to show it to you in a couple different translations. Well, that's more than a couple, I, I admit. But I did go through various translations. I'm not going to tell you what the translations are, but the first one, for instance, the law, which would be the law of Moses, was given by Moses, but grace and truth came through Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. It's interesting. That gives you a, a different feel to it, doesn't it? Let me say it again. The law came through Moses, but, but truth and grace, they came through Jesus Christ. That's how the text is being presented to you. Because it makes it sound like, well, there was the law of Moses, but you know what? The real special part and the only part, the grace and truth is only in Jesus Christ. Only in faith, only in grace is there anything. And that's not what the text is saying. Go ahead, Jan, and we'll look at a couple more as we go through. I was just struck with this. Um, for the law or the Torah, through Moses was given... The grace and the truth through Yeshua the Messiah, who is the living Torah, did come. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're getting, see, that's more what, how I would say how, what the text is proclaiming. But it comes across sometimes English, depending on the bias of the translators, with an already set mind that says, you know, the Torah of Moses, that's a negative thing. And it's... You know, that's all good and everything, but it's, it's all about Jesus and faith, okay? 
and I'll correct some of what I'm saying here in a little bit, Mark. Hope I or don't clarify. I hope I don't jump ahead and and looking at your seven translations. Yes. Studying this, it's your last translation that's the most correct. Exactly. Thank you, Mark. Hey, Mark's pointing out very clearly. If you go through it, you'll see they all are pretty much saying the same thing. Some get close to it, but the last one, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Yeshua the Messiah. That doesn't mean that grace and truth never existed. All it's, and it's emphasizing we see it realized in a very powerful, powerful manner. So if we see it realized in Yeshua, that means it's not gone. And it has not disappeared. It is for each and every one of us. And Yeshua himself, the redeemer of all humanity, if they choose, has shown you how special, how important, and in a positive light that the commandments at Mount Sinai are. And that's how we have to view the text. We can no longer view it like... Uh, like in a negative light. Because if we do, then we're going to come up with the wrong conclusions. I was even talking with my father. We were going through some stuff. And you see, if it's presented to you in a particular way, or if scripture's quoted to you, or there's assumptions about scripture given, then all of a sudden, we're over here. Uh, Paul. Yeah. Um I'm inclined to believe that the book of John was written in Hebrew because there's a Hebrewism between verse 14 where it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we saw his glory as the only begotten, now here's where it comes in, from the Father full of grace and truth. Well then when you go to the other one, for the law was given through Moses and then it goes down and it starts through at Law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Yeshua HaMashiach. So it's like that parallel, how they will say it one oh, way I, here. And then it's not, it's not called a parallel, is uh, it? Sciatic? Or, or I'm probably chiasm. pronouncing it wrong. So it's... It, 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 say it, say it chi again. Chiastic. Chiastic, so, right? So that's done typically in Hebrew, not in the Greek, when you have that kind of thing there. So... To me, when you see that word being flesh, and now they're talking about the word, we use the word law. I think the word there is nomos from, uh, mm -hmm. and nomos comes from like parceling out food to grazing yes. animals. And we know this law is specific to Moses and the only one, so it has to be so, at Mount Sinai. So when you think about, okay, it says the word became flesh, and so if the word is Yeshua, then that would be connected to grace and truth, and it wouldn't be done away with. Right? You know, it's kind of like, I, I think sometimes we get caught up in the word law. Yes. Law, as opposed to instructions, teaching, or anything else. And so that's what thrills us. That's awesome. Thank you, Paul, because that's very important, uh, what he's saying. And if we notice what has happened in the prior verses before this, there was no indication, if anything, there was indication that grace and favor and truth were all beforehand. 
So it can't be all of a sudden it only came through the Messiah. On, t on top of what you just said, when you use a semicolon in a sentence, you could, if you wanted to, make them two separate sentences. They can stand alone. But the use of a semicolon is used because there's a connection between the two. Mm -hmm. So based on what I have learned since we've been in, in Torah, it would read, for the law was given through Moses, but the grace and truth of that law is realized through Yeshua. Excellent. That's perfect thinking. And I think that's how we have to think uh, in this text. And we're thinking positive. We're thinking positive on his commandments and not negative. You know, so I'll get uh, this sister, and then I want to read you something that's kind of interesting. It's just something that came to mind looking at all the different translations is that this is why we have to be so careful and find the translations that are the closest to the Hebrew writings um, so that we can understand better. And another realization is that we have to pray for those who are confused by the writings of other translations that are written completely different or totally not even saying what these translations are saying. I see that these are more English to the point, but there are some other translations that I've come across that I have seen. I've been totally confused about because I've been like, okay, that uh, verse is not supposed to be what that says. It yes. doesn't even say or mean what, for instance, the Hebrew translation says or the King James or whatever. It says something di completely different. And you're like, how does that have to do with this is not the same scripture? You know, and we have to be really prayerful and watchful about the translations that are used and come closest to the translations of Hebrew, Aramaic, Mm -hmm. scriptures from back in the day because a lot of those are getting confused because and they're blinded because of the way it's written as well yes so. and, and we, i know a lot of the translations though at the same no i agree with you first off and uh, i think the first thing is we got to really know our 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 uh, the best we can the text and some of these simple little things like that and but at the same time i know uh, we have to understand it takes a lot to um, translate and bring them in. So, and our translators in some ways have, you can imagine that the job that they have, you know, at the same time. So as the mic goes over to John, I wanted to, because I looked up this word grace, okay, that's being used here. And it has the Greek word or whatever. It has the parts of speech which I think, oh, that's all great and everything. It's wonderful. It's telling you. And it says the definition of grace and can be related to loving kindness. Okay. But then it's interesting. Tell me if you catch anything in this. Then it says usage, grace, as a gift or a blessing brought to man by Jesus Christ. Then it goes on to say favor, gratitude, thanks, a favor, a kindness. Did you pick up anything there? Let me elaborate. The first usage, A, they want you to get and understand that grace was a gift from Jesus Christ. Secondary and thirdly is actually the meaning of that actual word and how it's used. 
So all I'm saying is you've got to be on guard when even you're looking in your dictionaries and your lexicons and things like that, because right here, they're telling you or they want you to know that grace solely came from Jesus Christ, never existed before, okay? And that's hugely biased, okay? They want to tell you what to think rather than let the text tell you what he thinks, okay? Uh, John. So I'm just wondering here in John, if it's possible that the reference is the law was given by Moses. Okay, I won't read the King James because it was given by Moses. Is this a re could it be interpreted that this is a reference to Deuteronomy 18.15 where he promises the prophet. God says, I, I'm, I will, you know, a commandment is I will do some, an action. Mm -hmm. And this is the action I will do. And what we need to do, the commandment we need to do, is do what he says, as it says in Deuteronomy 18.15. I will raise him up among the prophet, among their brethren, like unto thee, and will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall not hearken unto my words, which he shall speak in my name, I will require it of him. So I don't know, I... Is, this, is it possible that John is pointing back to what was given to Moses in Deuteronomy 18.15? That's interesting, John, that you say that. And if you guys, because uh, I don't think we'll get to it, but remember what John just said. What John's just talking about right here, as we go further here real quick in John, what John <laughs> just said actually starts applying. So what a, uh, I'll get Mark, and then I have this other thing I want to I compare something to what we just talked about. So if I was to elaborate on verse 17, is that if we take it in the context of what Yeshua said, I came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. So we know that the law was given to Moses. The law is everlasting because it says that God's word is everlasting. It doesn't ever change. But this some of the other words you had in your definition was kindness, which is, comes from the word chesed, um, favor, which comes from the word chen. So these are all words way back in the, the Tanakh, so it can't be something new here. But what, what happened was, is you've got a people that were, that were kicked out, they were cast out, they were dead. And so the grace, this favor, this loving kindness were realized, they, they understood that through the death of Yeshua because it brought them back into covenant. They got to actually experience an amazing part of God's character of loving kindness and favor. Because of that, they were able to be brought back in. So it was realized, it was understood, it was experienced through Christ because of the redemption bringing him back in. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. We see that. That is so important. Um, so we have Yeshua, like we're, what we've concluded, let's say, Yeshua was the true example of grace and truth that is already in the law, already in the Torah, in the teachings of the Most High at Mount Sinai. So we can only conclude the power of walking in the word of Elohim, keeping the Father's ways, is what Yeshua is about to show us. And why it's so special who he was and who he is. So this whole idea 
then, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Yeshua the Messiah. That is John 1.17. We did the book of Matthew. There's a verse in Matthew, I think, follows and says the same exact thing right here. Matthew 5.17 says this. This is Yeshua speaking. He says this. Do not think that I come to destroy the Torah, the law, or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill them and complete them, to make them realized before you. So you see the relationship by even Messiah's own words. He's confirming what John's saying about him. I think that's very, very, very powerful. So let me see. We got, we got some more time, so let's continue. Oh, I'm sorry, Polly. I overlooked you. I'll back up. Yeah, I just wanted to mention something that even though the law was given through Moses, he's not the author. He's, it's, he's not the uh, base of origination, or what do we call it? It's not, it wasn't birthed through him. He, mm-hmm. was, what do you, what he didn't make it up. He, right, it wasn't his. It wasn't his to, um, I can't think of the right word right now, but he was an instrument of bringing it. To the people. Yes, to the people. And I think the same with grace and truth is that Jesus was not the author of that or the, um, the where it originated from that comes from the very beginning which Jesus was in the very beginning so to say that it just came upon us a new thing it was always there from the beginning because he really is the author of where it came from uh, his act yes. upon the cross just kind of embellished and brought more meaning or depth to what already existed Oh, perfect. No, I love that, Polly. Thank you. So basically, the Son, as we know, we're reading the text, the Son is bringing forth what the Father has told him to do and told him to say. Meaning, the Son, in some sense, is like Polly says, is just revealing what was already there in the heart of the Father, in the one who spoke and created us. That is just, it's amazing. So you can see already where the book of John's going to go. All right, if you haven't noticed. So as we continue here, no one has ever seen Elohim, the only brought forth son, uh, the only brought forth son who is in the bosom of the Father. He did declare. Now this was the witness of uh, John uh, when the Udim or the uh, uh, the the Jews sent from Jerusalem specific group here. Okay. It was the Jews from Jerusalem, and even more specific, it was the priests and the Levites, okay? It didn't say all Jews here. I just want to emphasize that because, again, we get the wrong, if we're given the wrong impression about our brother Judah, then we're not, we get the wrong impression. So, so anyhow, who, um, and the priests and the Levites, to ask him, who are you? And he confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Messiah. Right off the bat, he knew why they were coming. He said, I'm not the Messiah. That was the first thing John said. Then they asked him, what then are you, you Eliyahu? So, uh, So he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Remember what John was just talking about in Deuteronomy? Are you that prophet? 
Are you that prophet? No, therefore they said to him, then, all right, who are you so that we give an answer to those who sent us? Remember, where did they come from? They came from the ruling, the religious ruling power in Jerusalem, which would be at the temple, which would be at the Most High's house, okay? To those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am the voice crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of Yahuwah, as the prophet um, Isaiah has said. So, it's there's, again, you see how much is impacted in this, even this small little conversation. And to me, some of it we have to look at so we understand the conversation going back and forth. Okay? First of all, one thing I wanted to point out, way back in verse 14... The concept of sonship and kingship of Yeshua appeared for the first time in this gospel. Okay? So we, if you notice the pattern that's going on here, okay, it was the Word. Okay? The Word became flesh, and all these elements start coming in that are behind what's going on. So now we'll add to the mix a sonship and a kingship is now being put forth into the text. Yes, Paul. Uh, can I throw some confusion into the mix? Sure, I love it. All right. <laughs> uh, Jan said no. Uh, verse 18, it says, no one has seen God at any time. Okay, let's just say Theos, or if it were in Hebrew, it would say Elohim. Elohim, yeah. No one has seen Elohim at any time. The and then in the Greek it's the uh, only be well in English we say only begotten but if it were translated literally it would say the only only Elohim mm -hmm. instead of Son who is in the bosom of the Father so no one has seen Elohim at any time the only only Elohim who is in the bosom of the Father is because it doesn't really say Son in that no. verse. It says theos, the same word that's used in the first part of it where uh, it says no one has seen Elohim. No, Thoughts? I, yes. No, and it's, but what I was uh, referring back to verse 14, it's talking, um, let me see, how do I do this? Let me go back to 14 real quick. And the word became flesh and pitched his tent among us, and we saw his esteem, the esteem of the only brought forth of the Father. So I can see where it's insinuating the brought forth of the Father. And we're talking, John's talking about this one person that we'll see that he'll talk about. So it has to be a human and then by default, a son. And, and that's where that word monogenus, monogenus twice. It says the only, that which is monogenus, brought forth monogenus. And then down here where it's talking about the only begotten Son again, it's monogenus, monogenus, Elohim, well, in Hebrew. I don't know what the monogenus would translate to in the Hebrew uh, directly. But uh, anyway, I just threw that out there, not to add confusion, but oh, it, no, no. it can be a little bit, when you're looking at it in the previous mindset out of Christendom, okay, what is being said here? Mm -hmm. uh, and yet it's, yeah, just throwing that in there. No, thank you, Paul. Thank you. Looking for Mark to jump in. <laughs> so, 
So uh, thank you. So so we see this sonship and the kingship of some sort, uh, where it's appearing here, in the background at least, in some way, of uh, of this Yeshua who he's going to start talking about, or this person. Now, the one thing I wanted to bring forth here in my study, it's interesting with this idea of sonship or kingship coming in. Um, the, the son of God also was a title, how this fits in, for kings in their coronation, okay? They were to be, in some sense, uh, as, you know, they were to read the Torah, the kings, and walk this out to rule correctly, you know. So we see that concept. So you can see that here uh, as well. And I do want to, let me see, what do I got next? Let me see what time. What I do want to read, which I think plays a part, and it's next is Psalm Psalms 2. It talks about that, that there's this only one. He's talking to David, who is a king, you know, and you're my son, but yet it's much deeper. Ultimately, this is the king who is going to be referred to. So I'll put that on hold. I want to go back to uh, this other word up here. The only brought forth son whom is in the bosom of the father. He did declare. And maybe this might bring in more of the imagery why it's a son. So I had to look up bosom. I thought I knew what it meant. Okay? So I figured I'd look that up. So I looked it up. So I'm going to give you the rundown of what it is. In the Semitic mind, you know, the authors, how they thought in Scripture, they would get a picture of a mother's embrace while nursing her baby. This idea of bosom, the chest part, and how it's first used. Actually, it's the first use of it, uh, if I remember right, when uh, Sarah gave her handmaiden over to the bosom of Abraham to his chest, a close, and, and has with an idea of an embracing, an intimacy, so to speak. So whoever this one from Elohim is, is in the bosom, so you can see the idea of a child, close, intimate with the father. That's what's being, is here. Emphasis on embrace, the protection, support. Uh, shutting out the rest of the world as a mother would nurse her child. It's kind of interesting, the intimacy that's there. So it is deep intimacy. So a lot of places put Abraham's side. You can see where I think, hmm. That intimacy speaks volumes looking at this word bosom and how it goes back into the text. So it's like uh, when it was used um, in Luke, I double-checked this in the Greek, this word bosom being here. It's used in uh, the book of Luke. Remember, Messiah had that parable, uh, Eleazar, he was the poor man, and he had the rich man. One 
died and went down. He was in the bosom of Abraham where the other man saw and he wasn't. So you can see where that other one was in a strong embrace by Abraham. As if this other one was his child. So to be in the bosom of Abraham is to be in the embrace, to be hugged by Abraham as a son or as a daughter, as an offspring. What is so important about Abraham? He's the one that holds the covenant to everything, that everything goes back. Don't you want to be a son of Abraham? Sons and daughter of Abraham? To be embraced by Abraham? <laughs> and then this one's talking about embraced by the father. Or is John talking about Father Abraham? Or is he talking about something even more special? How can something be even more special coming from Abraham? It could only be that one who's embraced by the creator himself who is coming now that John's testifying about. That he is not, but he is here. He was. I was before him, but he was then before me. <laughs> but now he is here after me. Oh, that is awesome, awesome uh, what would you say, imagery that should go on in your mind. So I want to be hugged by Abraham. I want to be in Abraham's bosom. I want to be that. So that's how the picture's coming across with what John's talking about right now. So as we know that the beggar died and he was carried by the messengers. And this is a parable. I don't view this parable as a physical reality. I personally viewed as just a parable, not necessarily based on uh, something that happened, okay? That's my point of view. Um, so, so this beggar died. He was carried by the messengers unto Abraham. To me, it's the parable, the moral, the story. This beggar died, and the messengers carried him. Who would be those messengers? The ones who brought forth the message of what's right and what's wrong, the Father's ways, not those ways. Anyone bringing forth the Word of God to me in, in this context would be a messenger. And that's why this, this poor man, this beggar died, and he came to the embrace of Abraham because he was one of his children. Because Abraham trusted that the seed, and this beggar did too. And I think that's the big moral of the story. So that gives you a little background on the bosom of Abraham and what's going on here. Uh, we'll take one more comment, but we're out, and then we'll be out of time. And then we'll come right back again here next week. So you've got to remember this as we go because it, it will continue to compile and compile and compile on top of each other. Polly. I'm just wondering, is it possible that verse 18 is kind of somewhat reiterating verse one again um, in just in, a, the beginning. in a different way. He's kind of like, he said it in the beginning and now he's concluding kind of in verse 18 before he moves on to now another subject he's gonna talk about. And I, I don't know, I'd have to look up the different scriptures, uh, the, the scripture in different versions, but could it be saying, as, as I've looked up a few of them, no one has ever seen Elohim. 
the only brought forth son. He's, he is, because there's words to, to make us think these are two different people, but perhaps he's saying, has anyone ever seen Elohim who is the only brought forth son, who is in the bosom of the father? He did declare, kind of bringing us back to that ehad of the word was God, with God and word was in the beginning and the son is Elohim and was in the beginning of the bosom. I'm just kind of reading it through different versions here and it almost seems like there is the word but added that kind of makes us think kind of takes us on a different trail but if you just remove the word but in some of these translations it almost seems to say no one has ever seen Elohim who is the only the only Elohim the only brought forth son kind of all in one echad piece uh, there is a lot of truth of what you just said Polly specifically because I know in some of the the things I read in the Aramaic or that I find that are in the text, like the word but, it actually should be and. You know, and. But yet, depending on the translator, how one wants you to understand it. So that does play a huge part. We'll get Jan and then we, we have to close. I'll be quick. <clears throat> I'm so glad a lot of discussion has been on that verse 18 because it really got me fouled up. My Bible says, no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. And to me, that, there was a lot of double talk in there <laughs> until I finally realized, but God, the one and only, was referring to Yeshua. Mm -hmm. And now it all makes sense, but it didn't before. Thank you. And that's, I think that's one of the key things. Let's let the text just speak the way it is, we don't need big theologies to come in and box in everything so we can stand above the Most High to understand Him. Father Yehoah, we give you great thanks. We thank you for your words. Father, we thank you for your spirit to empower us um, so that we may overcome all the things that come upon us, Father. Father, we trust your report. We trust your words. And Father, we see and we know that we need your help. To, to do these things, Father, to become better children. That's our desire, Father. Be pleased with us today, Fathers. We lift up your name and your character. We thank you for your love and your mercy that you've always had. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Thank you for being here. Those online, thank you again. And uh, we'll see you next week. Shabbat shalom. <laughs>